Tigers on Cage. Shoots his goal! Jesse and Lance talk Tigers and all things WHL with the voice of the Tigers, Bob Ridley. Tigers players, Tigers alumni, and insiders across the WHL. Here's your host, Jesse and Lance. Uncaged, a podcast based on the WHL's Medicine Hat Tigers. My name is Jesse. Of course, we have the interim color commentary. Nice. And, right? That's Is that the official? Yeah. Yeah. Is? I was just waiting to see when the stumble would happen, and it didn't. Well, it wasn't there. Good job. Lance Dahl, uh, how you doing, buddy? Good, good. Uh, interesting past couple games for the for the boys, but... Man, uh, big weeks. Big week, yeah. I should say. Yeah, it was, it was, it was good, because, I mean, over the weekend, you get... Uh, a massive shutout win, the oh. first of the year for Garen Bjorklund, and uh, and just team wise, up and down the lineup in all three zones. I think they they displayed one of their most complete. Obviously, they're one of their most complete games. It's easy to say when you get a shutout, but but I truly do think that team defense was was on display on on Saturday there against Swift, and then uh, obviously Edmonton's a, a tricky one, even with all the amount of players they had out of the lineup. It's just it's so tough when when you play a team like that, and I think. You can learn by playing against top teams on, on how they go about their business, and and the the Oil Kings in my mind put on an absolute clinic at dominating the middle of the ice in, in all three zones. They weren't allowing anything through the middle of the ice in their own in their own end, rather in the neutral zone. They jammed up the middle of the of the ice and only allowed the boards. And offensively, they did everything they could to to work towards in between the dots, right? Man, so. that Edmonton Oil Kings team just reminds me of the Tiger team right before COVID. It's just like, hey, we need a goal. Okay. And they just hop on the ice and they're able to score. And they make it look so easy. Yeah. I don't necessarily look at Wednesday's game against the Oil Kings as a loss. I thought that the Tigers played very well, especially from the last time they played them. They went to uh, Rogers' place, only got 10 shots, still was able to score two goals. But, I mean, the Tigers got 20 shots the other night. They Mm -hmm. scored three goals. After one period, it was 2-2. I think they played Edmonton very well. They just, again, made a couple mistakes. And when you're playing the top team in the CHL, Mm -hmm. they're going to make you pay for those mistakes. And they did. I've been talking for a while uh, during these games about how they start and end periods. But I think now it's it's really transitioning to how they close out each period because, I mean, against Edmonton there, they kill off a penalty with four and a half minutes left in the second. The game's all tied up. And then all of a sudden in that last 430, you give up two goals and now go into the room down two heading into the third period, right? Yeah. Like that's that was where the game really hinged yeah. on. And it just shows the importance of not, you know, taking a shift off, but also – just just playing the middle of the ice. I mean, uh, that game-winning goal comes from a kid in his first Western Hockey League game where he drives towards the net and gets into the crease area, and I think it just bounced off him. But There was a lot of bouncers that went in. I mean, uh, the, the first goal of the night, I, th- I thought it bounced off someone, but it was a good shot that went in. That's a great shot. Then uh, Josh Williams, his first goal was a breakaway, just squeaked by the pads of Bjorklund. Where did he get to in the neutral zone? Got to the middle of the ice. Yeah, well, that helps, doesn't yeah. it? But I, I don't necessarily think it was a lot. I thought they played them very well. Mm-hmm. They had the shots. They made. I don't think they made Hay look good, the uh, backup no. goaltender for the Oilers or the Oil Kings. Sorry, like you could tell when it became four two, the relief on Hay's face, yeah. his body language yeah. was very pumped because he knew Tigers were getting to him. Yeah, that five three goal by Williams at the end of the second really really helped things because yeah, Colby Hay was was okay. Uh, yes. He he wasn't solid, but he's also a young goaltender yep. learning his way, and he gets to play behind Sebastian Kosa for the most part. So uh, that tandem is going to be uh, huge for for his development. But 
Yeah, I mean, you you look at it, the Tigers went toe-to-toe. They didn't really fall apart uh, until the end of that second, and and it just it's tough to get back out on the ice and come out of the room with uh, a lot of energy and excitement considering how the period just ended. But, uh, th- yeah, I don't know. I thought they did a solid job, and, and they punched back, right? They, yeah. they weren't intimidated. They were throwing their body around. They were getting physical, and I just – I mean, Shane Smith is the guy that stands out to me, man. Like, he's going to be fun to watch. Oh, I mean, he's an affiliate player. He's wearing a cage, and he's he's in on the forecheck on everybody, like Caden Gooley, Simon Kubacek, these guys who have been around the league. And it's got to be so annoying when you look at who hit you, and it's <laughs> yeah. a kid with a cage <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. Like, And he, he hit you hard. Yeah. Like, It's not just a love tap. He, he let you know he's there. Good. We need that. I mean, it was great to see Orrin Strom get a couple goals. True. Nice to see him. Uh, different Tigers on the scoring sheet is always nice. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's been a big week for the Medicine Hat Tigers. We're going to talk to uh, Scott Roblin here shortly. Uh, we'll kind of address everything that's been going on. Big news for former Tiger James Hamlin. Yeah, signing huge. a deal with the Edmonton Oilers. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll air that interview that he did with uh, Scott. And uh, that and a whole bunch more coming up on Tigers Uncaged. Come on. Check it out. Tigers Uncaged is powered by South Country Co-op. Tigers! More roar in a minute. When it comes to washing your ride, the most important thing is... Water pressure. Without it, dirt, bugs, birds business, and everything else stays on. Thankfully, South Country Co-op Extreme Car Wash has the... Water pressure. State-of-the-art laser touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. Four locations, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Crescent Heights, and Strachan Road. This is your best wash. Extreme touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. You're at home here. Water pressure. If we asked your car how it felt, it wouldn't respond. It's a car. But if we added some magical pixie dust and then asked, it still wouldn't answer. That only happens in the movies. But if we ask how you felt about having to fill your car, you'd probably say, I wish I got something out of it. Well, co-op members earn money on every liter filled at co-op gas bars. Fill up today on Strachan Road, 13th Avenue, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Redcliffe, Eagle Butte, and Dunmore, and Oyen. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. Tigers Uncaged. Let's go! Powered by South Country Co-op. Here's your host. And I reveal myself to you all here. Jesse and Lance. Behold! Welcome back to the podcast, Tigers Uncaged. Thank you to South Country Co-op. We could not do this without you. And as always, we get our interim play-by-play man, Mr. Scott Roblin, to join the podcast. Good, uh, how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you guys doing? I'm saying good morning. I'm all over the place. Because as we are recording this, uh, we had a late night last night because the Tigers played during mm. the weekday. Usually takes us a little bit to shake the cobwebs off, but I want to start with something positive. I want to start with the game on Saturday against the Swift Current Broncos, finally getting that W, that 2 nothing win. Probably the best we have seen the boys play all year. Safe to say? Yeah, I think the consistency was key in that game for the Tigers, especially not getting frustrated. You had a game like that where you're facing Isaac Poulter, and Isaac Poulter has just been a nightmare goaltender for the Tigers this year. He's been so tough to beat, and in that game, uh, it was vintage Isaac Poulter. He was making big saves, and at the other end, Garen Bjorklund was doing the same, and uh, you saw just end-to-end chances all night long, but the the score held 0-0, and you're wondering who's going to break through first, <laughs> and it was a highly entertaining game, and then finally Carter Chorney, midway through the third, gets that uh, backhand goal to go, and uh, the Tigers also doing a, a good job at closing the game out. So, I mean, they had to kill off a couple of big penalties in that game, a double minor in the second period, and then also one with a couple minutes remaining. But uh, the team doing a really good job of bending but not breaking. They did an excellent job at just keeping that defensive consistency in their 
their own zone. And that's something that has been pretty rare this year, that over a 60-minute stretch you've seen this team just really lock things down defensively. And Garen Bjorklund, I mean, 33 saves for the shutouts, uh, one of his best performances this season. Uh, it was just a night where everything fell into place for the Tigers, and you haven't seen too many of those nights this year. And not only to break the losing streak at 12 with that, not only to pick up a win against Swift Current, who um, had picked up a, a couple of big performances against Medicine Hat prior to that game, and not only being able to do it in the fashion they did via shutouts, speaking with the coaching staff, they said, uh, results aside, it was the effort and the competes and the, the level of commitment to the systems and the structures they had in that game's a big reason why they picked up the two points, and it just goes to prove that the Tigers, when they're on and when they can get all the pieces together, they can be a pretty dangerous team, even defensively, which has been uh, kind of few and far between this year. We've we've seen performances like that. So, yeah, very much so. It was just a, a great night for the Tigers. You saw at the end Oasis Wiseblatt tackle Carter Chorney <laughs> as they were celebrating, and everybody went over to mob Garen Bjorklund because it was a night where uh, the Tigers netminder finally got rewarded for his play. 33 saves that, I mean, really only a couple he had to be exceptional on. Uh, one being the Eric Van Imp breakaway, but uh, like outside of that, he was just positionally sound, but the, t the team defense in front of him was a big difference, and getting Tyler McKenzie back in the lineup there really, it, it makes a bigger impact than we almost would have thought as he slotted into a fourth-line center role trying to ramp him back up, but even just the, the noticeable difference for Steven Arp after playing a lot of time at center, getting back to the wing as a younger player learning his way in this league, and and with a little less responsibility inherently for wingers, especially in their own zone, thought Stephen Art benefited a lot from McKenzie returning. Yeah, I thought so too. And you have Braden Bame on that line as well, who can add that uh, speed aspect. And uh, Tyler McKenzie, it's funny we we talk about him so much, but he's only 17 years old. Mm -hmm. But he coming back in these last two games has been such a solidifying presence into the lineup. You've noticed a huge difference in the Tigers where the the depth increases, and you get a player who could play both power play and penalty kill. Uh, I was chatting with Tyler earlier this week and he was saying you know before these last two games uh, Joe was having him go hard on the bike to get the conditioning back to play in those special team scenarios uh, I thought Tyler has been quite solid the last two games um, hasn't been able to to get a goal or an assist but um, in terms of getting back to the level where he was before uh, the the injury um, you know I think I think Tyler's done an excellent job in that and he's been uh, you know quite consistent into the lineup and has been you know everything that's been talked about with him his two-way play his leadership ability um his his play down low to get the puck out of the zone all aspects of that i thought uh, tyler's done an excellent job of and uh, for the tigers even just to get a, a body back into the lineup it's mm -hmm. been uh, a tough go these last uh, four six weeks somewhere around there where they've just had guys go down each and every single night and to get a player of Tyler's caliber back in uh, really big. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want to take away from the players. I, I, all the players played phenomenally well on uh, on Saturday. I ripped the Tiger fans a little bit last podcast, and I, I told them to bring it. I said that we wanted that electricity back in co-op place, and I have to say they made me eat my words. They were so electric Saturday night. They were loud. At one point, we had the wave going on. <laughs> we had kids just screaming, go Tigers, go. And I got to say, that had to be a big part of why the Tigers played so well. They fed off that energy which we haven't had in quite some time. Yeah, that third period was loud and intense and was just awesome. I do want to add one correction. Tyler McKenzie did pick up an assist against the Edmonton mm -hmm. Oil Kings. I wanted to double-check that, so uh, good to see him get back into uh, the, the assist column, which we've seen so many times this year. But as for the crowd, like you said, Jesse, it was electric, and it was... 
it grew and grew as the game went along, and that 0-0 score just held up and held up and held up, and you're just waiting for the dam to burst, and the pop of that Carter Chorney goal in the third period was just absolutely lightning in a bottle. It was mm-hmm. just great, and you you notice the team being able to capitalize on that, especially as it went along. They're trying to defend a lead, which uh, the Tigers have been kind of hit or miss this year when it comes to uh, you know holding on to a lead late in games. Um, and as as when that penalty happened, you're like, oh, is this this is going to test the team? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, are they going to be able to rise to the occasion here? And they did. And I think, um, especially on the penalty kill, the team really fed off the crowd. You noticed in that uh, double minor high sticking call back in the second period on Saturday, um, the the Tigers would get into lanes, they would block shots. They would clear the zone so quick. Bogdan Sadas had about three or four clearances just himself on that uh, four-minute penalty kill, and uh, it it really has been, I think, the Dan Baker effect a little bit on this team in terms of getting into shooting lanes because, I mean, that's been one of the biggest parts of Dan Baker's game is just how many shot blocks he's had this year and uh, how willing he is to sell out the body to to interrupt plays. And you've seen that from the Tigers over the the last couple games, especially in that game on, uh, on Saturday against the Swift Current Broncos where just time and time again and late in that game, uh, Tigers were getting into the lanes. They were getting down to block shots, even just getting sticks or uh, or skates in the lanes just to to try and make Garen Bjorklund's night a little bit easier. Um, I think that was a big thing. And with Baker out of the lineup, it is going to have to continue for a lot of these players to to keep up that consistency and, and willingness to get into the lanes. Then you look at the contrast to what we had just the other night against the Edmonton Oil Kings and and on Saturday, the Tigers did a solid job of defending the middle of the ice in all three zones. They started period strong. They ended period strong. Like All the things that we talk about with this team, they, they were hitting on. And you saw that in the first period with the Tigers. For the most part, they were defending the middle of the ice fairly well. And they were playing in it in all three zones. Uh, you you kind of give up one on Sordiff's first goal where the team flies his own. And all of a sudden, Justin sort of standing in between the hash marks. And, well, you can't let him be there. You can't let any Oil Kings player be there. But as this game kind of went along against Edmonton, you you noticed that every single time Edmonton wanted to create our offense, it started with a drive towards the middle of the ice. And I think for the Tigers, you start to learn the importance of that because more often than not, they've been settling to to take the puck on the outside or to get the puck deep. And, and you see from a high-class team just how important it is to establish the dominance in all three zones right down the middle. Well, and that was a big reason why we saw the Tigers, I wouldn't say fall back into their own zone but Edmonton was just so adept at in the neutral zone being able to cut their way through center ice and also just try and funnel themselves towards the slot and you saw that for odd man rush opportunities you saw that for just offensive zone breakouts and for the Tigers it put them back on their heels a little bit when they're they're trying to keep that gap but you see a player coming a million miles an hour at you uh, they were able to split the defense uh, a number of times and as a result the Tigers weren't able to establish their play down the middle as well, and that led to a lot of turnovers. Mm-hmm. And when you look at, you know, take a look at three of three of the goals last night, three, four of the goals, they resulted off turnovers in the Tigers' zone, just either trying to clear it away, uh, giveaways, um, you know, just loose pucks that don't quite find the stick at their own blue line, and then Edmonton capitalizes and will try and start a cycle play, or they'll try and drive towards the front of the net, which they did quite a bit uh, on Wednesday nights. That that was one of the biggest things as the game went along. You just saw the turnovers really bite this team. And for the most part, the Tigers have been pretty decent in terms of their turnovers over the last couple weeks here. Um, but if you're playing a team like Edmonton who has the firepower like they did, even though they were missing a, a big chunk of their lineup and some of their top offensive weapons, I mean, it's still 
Dylan Gunther and and Justin Sordiff and Caden Gooley and guys who are going to have a long future in the NHL likely um, attacking that way and it made their lives a lot easier, made their nights a lot easier being Mm -hmm. able to pick up those loose pucks that the Tigers uh, just didn't have quite enough care on. Uh, Former Tiger, Josh Williams, getting two goals for the Oil Kings. I think I speak on behalf of the Tiger fans saying, when the hell is this guy going to get out of the league? (laughs) It just seems like he's been here forever. He's 35. And every time we play him, he he scores on his former team. Yeah, he loves scoring a co-op place when he was a member (laughs) of the Tigers and still loves scoring a co-op place uh, with the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, Recently celebrated his 21st birthday. Um, He's a a late... uh, uh, or an early birthday, I should say, in his in his year. And, uh, yeah, this was the penultimate appearance at Co-op Place for Josh Williams. He'll be here one more time in his career. That will be the last game of the uh, of the regular season, likely the last game of the season for the Tigers. So kind of cool for Josh Williams to wind up his last regular season game for the Tigers will be against, uh, against Josh Williams, a former player. But, yeah, like he – you know, he capitalizes on those two breakaway chances. The, he he has taken a step this year, I think, as a as a 20-year-old and now a 21-year-old up to 32 goals on the season. Uh, was at Pittsburgh Penguins camp this past year. Uh, I'm imagining he's going to get some some contract offers as a, as a 20-year-old uh, coming up this year. Still pretty remarkable that he never got drafted in the NHL, I think. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a guy who, as he's gotten older, showcased more of an offensive ability. And it's not a case of just being surrounded by Gunther and, you know, Sordiff and, and neighbors and these top line guys, you know, it, it, it helps. But I, I think Williams is driving a lot of the play himself. And just as a, as a guy who's now one of the, the veteran statesmen in this league, he is, he's really taken a step. And, and the Tigers have seen that not only on Wednesday night, but throughout the season, he's, uh, he's caused problems for them for sure. Yeah. If he can continue to, to get quicker, because I think we've seen that over his WHL career, because we've all kind of been exposed to it a little bit where his foot speeds improved as he's gotten older which is obviously it feels like it's something that should happen but it doesn't always necessarily be the case but but he's gotten quicker and he's always had the shot and the the ability to score so uh it's easy to to find work at least at the pro level in the ahl and and then start drilling in some of the defensive details and round out your game that way so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with well, Josh, He right? definitely looks like a guy that has soaked up a lot of knowledge being on that Edmonton team. Like, mm-hmm. when, when he came to the Tigers, there was a lot of hype surrounding him. Like, he was going to be the next best thing for the Tigers. And we watched a couple games, and he was a little bit slower. Mind you, he was younger. But people then started to realize or wonder, you know, is this the guy? Is he actually what people have been saying? And I think that's what sparked the trade, because maybe we can get something a little bit older, a little bit better. You know, let him go to Edmonton. We win that trade. And you can just tell every year he's been in the league, he's getting better. And I think that has a lot to do with the people he's playing with on the Oil Kings. Well, I think for Josh Williams, you know, I, I remember the first goal he scored in the WHL set up by Mark Russell, and, mm-hmm. and Russell was giving him the gears after the game, uh, as he usually did with uh, with most of his teammates. But um, <laughs> yeah, Josh Williams, he was highly touted, and people forget his start here in Medicine Hat was really stunted because of that collarbone injury he suffered when going to play with Team Canada and and never got to play with Team Canada during that, uh, I believe it was a U-17 tournament because he he took a check in practice and and missed a big chunk of time. And honestly, the the first you know, year, year and a half of his time here in Medicine Hat it wasn't easy for for Josh Williams and didn't have the performances you'd expect out of a of a fifth overall pick in this league. And uh, I've talked with Andrew Peart a number of times throughout the season about that deal between Medicine Hat and Edmondson. It was a blockbuster when it happened, and it's still a blockbuster. I mean, it's Josh Williams for Brett Kemp. That trade worked out so well for both parties involved. It's rare that you see a trade like that where 
You have two players who need a fresh start, two players who weren't necessarily performing in the markets that they were, and they get swapped and go on to have excellent careers with the teams that they did. Brett Kemp was a huge part of this Tigers team over the last number of years, um, was a veteran presence last year. His goal-scoring ability is just, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. He's an un He was an unbelievable player for Medicine Hat. But um, I think for the Tigers, Josh Williams wasn't necessarily necessarily the player they needed at the time and that's why they made the deal to get a player who was a year older in Brett Kemp and you know obviously they were they were gearing up to try and make a run when when the covid season shut down um and the Edmonton Oil Kings they they wanted to get a little bit more youthful talent into their lineup they had a number of graduating players so Trey Fix Wolanski and Loskiavo and Scott Atkinson those type of players and um, they're able to get him and he joined that group of you know the Dylan Gunthers and the Jake Neighbors and those type of players who um, even though Williams was a year older um, were really starting to lay the the groundwork for a run for Edmonton and now you're starting to see that pay off in what Williams is providing what Carter Such is providing what all those NHL drafted players there's eight on the Edmonton roster mm -hmm. um you know, this is it's it's worked out well for Josh Williams, and he's been able to be one of the best players on the team this season as they make a national championship push. I mean, it, it, in the end, I think it 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 was right for both teams in that trade. Um, you know, the Josh Williams obviously would have been a big part of the Tigers over the last couple of years, but I don't think they would have traded what they got out of Brent Kemp, no. and I don't think the Edmonton Oil Kings would have traded what they've got out of Josh Williams. It, it was a mm -hmm. deal that worked out for both sides, and, uh, you know, as a former Tiger and getting to talk to him, I remember early in his career, it's it's pretty cool to see what Josh Williams is doing now. It's something special, considering how this run could end up going for Edmonton, right? So, it could. I, I mean, you just never know how this is going to turn out. Um, with Edmonton in the building, it, it felt like it was a matter of time before the physicality ramped up uh, back on Wednesday, and we didn't see it early, but as this game went along and the Tigers kept hanging around, you started to see the Oil Kings get a little frustrated, and that's really in the second period where we started to see the physicality ramp up. But that's how the Tigers need to play moving forward, not just for the rest of this season but into next, adding that physical element because that's always been a gripe for for fans and, and you know just people who watch this team alike where they say that the team is skilled but not all that physical. They don't have that edge. But, but they're starting to add it more so when you're seeing guys like Parsons and Wiseblatt lead the way. Yeah, Parsons, Wise, Blatt, Ashton First are getting into the corners as well. Um, Owen McNeil even doing a good job on puck retrievals. Um, Shane Smith. Shane Smith. <laughs> Boy, yeah, the Tigers have a player in him, I think. Yeah. Just a two-way presence who, man, he's he's one of the youngest players on the ice, but he's going full barrel into those corners. Trying he to ran Caden Gooley like three times, <laughs> which is wild. Like 50, I don't know if it's because he has a cage on, but like it, it takes balls to run a guy like like Caden yeah. Gooley. Like, God. I will give them props. I mean, the Tigers have done that physicality because they're a younger team and they're not going to be pushed around by the 19, 20, 21-year-olds. Mm -hmm. you, you may be able to beat us on the puck. You may be able to score whenever you want to. But if you hit us, we're going to hit you back. Well, and they're being forced to play physically. Like, the, the Tigers, a lot of nights over the last you know few months here have not been on the right side of the wing column. So you have to show up somehow. And that's not necessarily playing dirty or playing undisciplined, but... You know, showing a physical presence, and that includes, you know, sometimes dropping the mitts, but I think more so it includes those 50-50 battles in the corners when possession is just so key for this Tigers team. When you take on a team like Edmonton, possession comes at a premium. You're taking on a yeah. team who control the puck so well, you need to get in on pucks, and necessarily taking it across the blue line when you have such active defenders for the Oil Kings, it gets really, really difficult to try and hang on to possession, so it's a lot of dump and chase, and we saw that as the game went along on Wednesday night. Now, Edmonton won a lot of those battles, but I think for the Tigers, just being hard on pucks and being 
first guy in and being willing to take some body contact to try and move it uh, around to start a cycle. That's got to be the buy-in for this team is, you know what, you're, if you want to play dump and chase, you have to be willing, A, to get to the puck first and be willing to take body contact from whatever defender is coming at you to try and move the puck and get some offensive zone pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's been a big thing, right? Is, yeah. I mean, we, we talked about Teague Patton last couple of times uh, that we've been doing this, and Teague's a guy that I think at the start of the year wasn't exactly the most physical presence, but but you you got to f- have some kind of edge to you if you're willing to drive the net yeah. as much as he is now, right? So, yeah. And, I mean, you're starting to see the body. You're also starting to see uh, more fights, more fights than usual that I expected. And, and what I've noticed is that a lot of the time they're adding two minutes to these fights. What was going on here? I thought if you fight, it's two fives, and you just call it a day. Why, why are the two minutes being added to these fighting penalties? I mean, for the most part, it's unsportsmanlike penalties to whoever is initiating the fights is what we've seen over the last you know, number of I mean, weeks. That Edmonton one, it just looked like Oasis said, hey, you want to go? And the guy goes, yeah, oh, yeah, let's go. And then it was just we both drop, mm-hmm. we do our thing. And I think we got the extra two minutes out of that. Yeah, I mean, it all resulted from a hit Logan Dalhaniak laid, a clean hit um, in the neutral zone. And then uh, Oasis Weisblatt went to the stand-up to Andrew Basha, who who took the hits, and uh, then they both dropped the mitts. You know, uh, it's, it is it is tough. You know, there there is the balance of trying to not have quite as many fights because, of course, we're talking about – at the end of the day, a lot of kids who are 17, 18 years old, you know, that's, I think, something that gets lost in this league. You know, fighting, love it or hate it, it is part of the game, but it is becoming less of a part of the game, especially in this level because you're dealing with players who aren't even adults yet who are, yeah. who are dropping the mitts. And sometimes you have to reckon with that as, as a fan being like, well, I enjoy seeing a scrap every now and then, but if it's two kids who are 17 years old, you know, that can... You know, it feels wrong. Yeah, it feels a little mm-hmm. weird. And, <laughs> and also, bring, when you explain it like that, it feels real it, wrong. Well, and also, you know, the, the, the injury aspect of it. I mean, we, we have a lot more knowledge about concussions and, and traumatic injuries to the head and those type of things. So, obviously, there there is the push to get less fighting in the game. So, that's maybe a reason why we're seeing that. But on the other end, you know, it, it is tough because for the Tigers, you say, okay, well, our guy just took a big hit. Granted, it was clean, but in the moment, you know, you you try and stand up for your teammates. If you get the extra two, it's like, well, what are you supposed to do? Are you just supposed to let it go? Are you supposed to, especially if it's a a hit that's a little bit more borderline? Uh, Again, the the Logan Dowhaniak hit last night, I'm not saying it was dirty by any aspect, but the Tigers wanted to to respond. It was a, a big momentum swing in Edmondson's favor. They lay a big check. Tigers trying to answer right back, but if you're not able to dropped the mitts in that way, and, and it looked like on replay that Dalhaniak was willing to go with, with Weisblatt there after laying the hits. It's like, well, what are you supposed to do? And that brings into question, well, okay, let's say the Tigers don't do anything there, and then a couple shifts later, a player gets run. It, it, that's when you start to see games get out of control. And mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily the biggest believer in, oh, you need fighting to, to police the game or else it's going to get out of control every single time. I think the game has moved in a different direction where – you know, fight that—that that was maybe the case in like the '80s and '90s, but the necessarily, I think you're not going to see fights every period. And you're and not getting line policed. brawls anymore. Yeah. yeah, But I think there is still a time and a place for it, and we are seeing a lot more of these two-minute minors, and it is bringing into question. You know, okay, obviously you want to try and get fighting and, and out of the game if you're the Western Hockey League, but in that aspect, you're still playing a game, and how do you respond if you're the team that is? taken the hits if you're the team that's looking to respond it's an interesting question for sure yeah I like the old school to me says it it should always remain a part of it because 
because of what you just mentioned, the the whole lack of, of letting it fester into something that's worse, right? Because obviously the, this game has changed so much in, in the, the years and years when fighting was more regular. Well, and you don't see Oasis Wiseblatt in a situation like that being like, here, let me just go back to the bench, grab the iPad to see if it was a clean hit just to see where the body contact right. was made. No, it's in the moment and he sees his linemate get blown up by Logan Dalhaniak. So he says, okay, well, I'm going to answer back here. And he also... It, it, even if he thinks it's clean, it doesn't matter. He's stepping in because it's a it's an 05 player. Yeah, it's a guy who's 16 years old that took a hit from a from a you know somewhat veteran defenseman in this league. It's so being a teammate. Yeah, it's it's it, that leadership ability. When we talk about leadership, I mean, like we so often look at some of the guys that wear letters on this team right now. Logan Barlogi and Rep Parsons are two of them. Guess what? They both do. They both fight. They yeah. both throw hits. They get physical. Like it's it's not by accident that these guys are also wearing letters, right? So, so there there needs to be some element of it. So if you're going to have guys that are going to step in and and be a physical presence because it is important because it generates turnovers. Knowing that, I mean, the easiest reference I can point to are guys like Ryan Reeves in the NHL, Milan Lucic, though. Like like when you know that they're bearing in on you, there's a reason why they create turnovers because they the defensemen don't want to take a hit from those guys. Yeah, and and so it's no different. We've talked about it at length on the on calls of the game, Scott, where the, the Tigers forwards want to get in on the forecheck. You need to be in on, on making the, the defenseman of whatever opposition feel your presence because that physical element matters, and sometimes you do need to throw in a fight here and there. And so I just don't know. like that. I saw after when the third period started and Weisblatt was serving the remaining minute or whatever it was of his penalty that the ref was having a conversation with Weisblatt about I would assume the two minute and they're going over the fight and all that stuff. And I, and I'm curious on to how this transitions down the road, because removing it all together then is going to create more of an onus on the refs to feel pressure, to call a lot of yeah. things, right? And those bigger hits, the, if you watch the game back and you're able to find the clip of Logan Barlogi, I think it was who gets a boarding penalty for a call that realistically is not boarding. No, but that, those are the types of calls that now refs are going to be pressured into making because you want to avoid any kind of major altercation on any big hit, right? It's well, this weird balance. And the biggest thing that I think coaches and players and fans and, and referees, for for that matter, are looking for around the league is consistency. Yeah, the refs don't want to be put in that spot. No, absolutely not. And and it, I think it, it comes down to, you know, we were talking beforehand about there's been a number of rule changes in the league, and, and it is a learning experience for some of the officials who are having to update the rule book at the beginning of the year and trying to figure out how to incorporate that and, and call a game and – um, I, I think that it is going to be interesting over the rest of the season, especially going into next year, just seeing, okay, what constitutes an instigator in a fight? Because that's essentially what it is. It's usually ruled as an unsportsmanlike penalty, but it essentially is an instigator. Which is interesting, though, because they got rid of what call, calling it instigator, and mm -hmm. now it's everything's just unsportsmanlike. Unsportsmanlike, yeah. And that's that, that was a slight transition, but it's notable because... Well, and, and it just opens things up. It's yeah. like, okay, well, what like what constitutes unsportsmanlike conduct? Like, it, it leaves it kind of a very gray area. So that's where the consistency comes into yeah. this. You know, I, I personally, if you want to call that unsportsmanlike, sounds good. But you have to keep that consistent for each time something like that pops up. Um, you know, I, I, I agree that, you know, changing the name of it to unsportsmanlike, it does open it up to be like, well, it's kind of completely subjective when you take a look at what is unsportsmanlike conduct. Technically, in the fighting Western is hockey. unsportsmanlike. Yeah. 
technically it would be right? technically boarding someone is unsportsmanlike. You know, yeah. like it can a whole penalty in itself. <laughs> yeah. Unsportsmanlike. Right. We're we're just gonna keep going like galaxy braiding this yeah, out yeah. to like existential. All what's of a sudden, the Nets are unsportsmanlike. <laughs> But no, it's, I mean, it's an interesting conversation and obviously the officials in this league, they want to call a good game and they want to make the right calls. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just goes back to that consistency. What constitutes these two minute minors? And if that's the way a game is going to be called, then fine. But it has to be consistent across the board to give uh, both the players on each side a fair shake. Yeah, it just gets to be like... And we know the game's going to be called different in playoffs because mm-hmm. every league calls different in playoffs. I, I'm curious to see what the transition's going to be. Obviously, you have less fighting to begin with, right, in, in playoff hockey. It just doesn't happen as much. But I'm curious, those those boarding calls, those borderline type of, of plays where you're throwing big hits and in the regular season they get called, like how much does that get let go in playoffs when you have seemingly a collision course for – you know, Edmonton and Red Deer and potentially Edmonton or Winnipeg and what those series will look like. Well, in that aspect as well, you have a situation here where, I mean, in the in the NHL, you clearly see there's a difference in officiating between the regular season mm-hmm. and the postseason. I don't necessarily think that's a great thing because it's two different games and, you know, your teams are building for playoff runs, but, you know, you... The, You're the not built the same way. They're not built the same way, and the consistency necessarily isn't there from a, from one hockey game to the next. Yeah. When you take a look at the context around it, but I think what needs to be understood as well is this is going to be the first playoff action in the Western Hockey League in two years. Mm-hmm. The last two seasons there has not been playoffs. So how will the officials start calling games when it's been a two year layoff since the last time there there was playoffs? Actually, you know, three years since the last time there was playoff action in the WHL. It's going to be very fascinating. That's interesting. Out of curiosity, just to go around quick, because I know we're running out of time, um, would you like like to see less involvement, uh, like by referees throughout a game, like the more more of a playoff style game or more of a regular season type game? Because like I'm I'm I've always slightly leaned more playoff style. Like let well, them play. That's more exciting. Get hockey, it, right? is it not? Like you you work your way through it, and if that's kind of the standard. To win the Stanley Cup, I'd like to see that type of game be established throughout the, throughout the regular I, season. I think the argument against that, though, is you have to call the book. There's rules that oh, are yeah. in the rule book, and if all of a sudden it starts getting let go by playoff time, which, I mean, it inevitably does, mm-hmm. but once that starts happening, you go, well, what's the point of the, the rules being written down here if they're not being enforced in the playoffs? Yeah. Darn you and your logic. You know yeah. what, Galaxy <laughs> Brain? Rewrite the, rewrite the book. Just rewrite it. Scott, we always appreciate when you hop on. Uh, coming up here in the next segment, we're going to air when you got a chance to talk to uh, James Hamlin, who, uh, I mean, we were very fortunate to have him on our team, and uh, we got the chance early on in the podcast, Lance, you and I got to talk to him, and we pretty much said, Dude, you're gonna get signed by the Oilers. Yeah, he gave us a little like a little hint. He was like, "Yeah, well, things are eh, there's conversations, things are happening here yeah, and there." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and he, he didn't, didn't want to say too much. But he, like off mic, you and I were like, "There's no shot he doesn't get signed." Right. With the cap and everything like that, like he's a really good player. He's gonna get signed. And mm. then the big news happened this week. He got signed. Well, and I think the most fascinating thing you'll hear later on in the interview is I asked him about you know getting this deal and. You know, showcasing his offensive abilities this year to to a higher extent, and a big reason why he got signed to the deal. And he said, "Yeah, it's a reason why I got signed." But he said, "I understand what my role is. I understand what team. If if I crack this team at some point, what I'm walking into." He says, "I'm not going to be a top line player on this team. I'm no. gonna. I need to know my role. I'll probably be a third, fourth line guy. That's why I've been trying to." pick up more skills penalty killing. I've been trying to pick up more two-way play, even though he's always been a solid defensive player for the Tigers. Um, 
he's been leaning into that a little bit more because he he flat out says, I know my role isn't going to be top six in the NHL, at least to start. It would be helpful if he scored for Edmonton. Yep. I mean, they could use some depth <laughs> score. But I'm glad that he looks at it that way because I wonder how many kids actually look at it that way. Well, right? you, like when you get signed, I'm, I, me automatically be like, I'm gonna be the captain of this team. Well, James, because right? they want ship. you, they want you to have that that you know to be that confident. Yeah, but he's like, yeah, I'm third, fourth no line. I'm okay I'm with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah James Hamlin. I mean, he scored close to 100 points in his last season as a member of the Tigers, but. It, to make it to the NHL, you're dealing with a lot of players who have been premier scorers throughout mm-hmm. their their careers in junior and at the American League level. And I think for for James, just his skill set and his defensive ability and I th- his just competes and willingness to get better, I think that's going to be the reason for him cracking the NHL if and when it happens. Man, just such a cool story. Like yeah, a, a perseverance it. of grit, determination, yep. like losing yep. family members, loved ones, uh, Injuries in yep. in hockey and and still finding a way to sign an NHL contract crazy. It could not happen to a nicer guy. Uh, Scott, as always, we appreciate you, man. Tigers back in action this weekend, Friday, Saturday, home and home against the Red Deer Rebels. Both games will be on Chat ninety four five. More hockey talk on the way with Tigers Uncaged. Powered by South Country Co op. We've been part of the farming community for generations. Planning, advising, getting our boots dirty, helping farmers thrive and enhance their land. This is core to what we do because we believe that each crop should be grown with precision, grown with care, and grown with purpose. We are a different kind of business. We are building a legacy. We are South Country Co-op. When it comes to your choice of beverage, you have your favorites. And when it comes to the place you get your beverages from, Co-op Liquor Stores is the favorite. They carry a huge selection of wine, spirits, local and world beers. Stick to what you love or try something new. Co-op Liquor Stores in Crescent Heights, 13th Avenue, Redcliffe, Dunmore and Strachan Road. All open seven days a week. South Country Co-op, proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. The talk of Tigertown. Great moments are born in great opportunity. Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance, powered by South Country Co-op. So James Hamblin, you are now property of the Edmonton Oilers after signing your NHL contract this week. I know this has been a long time coming for you. Just uh, how are you feeling signing this deal with Edmonton? Uh, it's it's pretty surreal, to be honest with you. Um, it Like you said, I've been working my whole life towards uh, towards t- signing an NHL deal and for it to be with the Edmonton Oilers, it makes it just a little bit more special for me. Um, so I'm just, I'm super excited, excited and ecstatic that, uh, I finally had the opportunity to sign an NHL deal. You know, for you, any opportunity at the NHL level would be special, but how much more special is it with it being your hometown club in Edmonton? Yeah, I think it just, for me, I look back at all those years I spent basically living at Rexall place in Edmonton and, going to uh, Oiler games and just um, to say that uh, I have an opportunity to go out and, and be one of those kind of, one of those guys is, is pretty special for me. You know, when you left here in Medicine Hats, it was not the ending to your junior career you would have wanted uh, with the, the COVID-19 shutdown. Um, but, you know, undeterred, you get your American Hockey League deal with Bakersfield and um, you've just worked to get to this point. So just how much pride do you take in, you know, the, the path that it's it's been to get to uh, to calling yourself an Oilers prospect? Yeah, it's it's been a crazy, crazy uh, way to get here. But uh, for me, it was never, never a doubt. I don't think I ever counted myself out. 
Um, I think I just put in the work as much as I possibly can and, and good things will happen. Or I have a belief that good things will happen when I do that. So um, I'm just, I'm happy it's, it's finally come and I'm excited to continue to keep putting the work in. What's it been like? Uh, I'm sure getting a lot of uh, text messages and phone calls over the last couple of days here. Yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's a little overwhelming uh, to see all the, all the people reaching out, but uh, to be honest with you, I'm so appreciative of everyone that's, that's reached out and uh, sent me even just a congratulations text. It's been, it's been unreal to see the support. And um, I, I know that uh, I don't get here by myself. So uh, a lot of those people, I, I, I just, I almost owe the thanks to them for, for getting me here. What's it been like to have the support of, uh, you know, your friends and family back home? And, you know, you've gone through a lot of, uh, you know, personal hurdles, including your own personal life with your mom. And um, I guess what, uh, what do you think she'd be thinking about right now that you've, you've signed this deal? Yeah, I, I think that's the thing with me is um, I've had to go through a ton of adversity to get here, but I've also had an amazing support group uh, that's helped me uh, along the way. I mean, I can look back even at the entire Messnet organization, the players, um, Willie, uh, uh, Joe Frazier, Sean Cluson, the, the Mazers. I mean, I, the list could go on. Uh, my billets, I, I, I don't get here without their support. Um, and I'm just, I'm so th- thankful for all those people. It was funny. I was talking with uh, Willie Dujardin the other day, and he brought up something that I had no idea about. That you know, in one of your last seasons in Medicine Hats, there was talk about you know you potentially becoming a defender, and uh, he said the the reason they didn't go through with it is because you're leading the league in scoring at the time. Uh, do Do you remember those conversations and uh, you know the possibility of of going to the back end in your time in Medicine Hat? Yeah, that was that was a true story. That was kind of it was crazy the way it happened too. He he just kind of laid that on me one day. And, uh, we, you know, what? At, at the time I was optimistic about it. I mean, uh, Willie, Willie's an amazing coach and he's coaching the NHL. So you got to take what he says, uh, um, with a little bit of, you know, he knows what he's talking about at least. So, uh, I think in the end we ended up trying it for maybe half a period or something like that at some point, but, uh, it wasn't meant to be and it's okay. It all worked out for me so far. So to see the production you've been able to get at the American hockey league level and, you know, there's different paths to the NHL for sure, but to, to see your offensive game really come through this year, how gratifying has that been? Yeah, it's good. I, I think it's, it's not my complete game. I think um, in order to get to that next level, uh, a lot more things have to, uh, or I have to get better a lot more things, kind of like PK and um, being able to find a role with the Edmonton Oilers that it's not going to be a top six role. And I have to know that I have to understand that. So um, the scoring's great, and and I love that. I want to score as much as possible, but uh, there's al- there's also other aspects that I have to get better at. You know, getting a deal like this, like you said, the work isn't over. So now that you have this deal, does it provide extra fuel, extra motivation to to try and finally crack the National Hockey League? Yeah, it does. Uh, like I said, I don't think for me, in my mind at least, um, I was ever out of it. For me, this is just kind of a, a key that finally gives me a, a doorway to to get into the league. Um, so now it's just about putting in that work. And like I said, working on those little things that uh, uh, will earn me a spot on the team. And finally, James, you know, this is, like you said, a path that you've shared with a, a lot of people from here in Medicine Hat to your time in the American Hockey League up through the uh, the Oilers organization. So to, to see the support that you've been given and uh, getting it you to this point where you're now an NHL prospect, uh, just what's it been like looking back on the journey? Yeah, it's... It's surreal. Um, I've had so many people in my life that have have gotten me to this spot and so many people that I have to thank. I mean, 
if I tried to thank everyone now, I'd, I'd leave people out and that just, that wouldn't work. But, um, first and foremost, my mom and dad obviously are the first people I think about, uh, who have always, always been there, always supported me through everything. So, uh, when I, when I first signed the deal, I was, those were the two people that were definitely at the top of my mind. So, um, like I said before, just, uh, a lot of thanks to everyone that's, that helped me, that's helped me get to here. Well, again, congratulations, Jimmy, uh, a huge honor. And, uh, I'm sure you're going to do great and, uh, you know, best of luck on your journey to the national hockey league. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on here. I appreciate it. More Tigers uncaged in seconds. That's how winning is done. Powered by South Country Co-op. For over 60 years, South Country Co-op has been part of our community. Families gathering around the table to talk about their day, share stories, laugh together, and just be there for one another. The meal on the table that brings families together is from South Country Co-op. Fresh local ingredients on amazing deals for you every single week. And their app gets you access to their flyer, locations, hours, and more. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. When it comes to washing your ride, the most important thing is water pressure without it dirt bugs birds business and everything else stays on thankfully south country co-op extreme car wash has the water pressure state-of-the-art laser touchless car wash from south country co-op four locations maple avenue northlands crescent heights and strachan road this is your best wash this extreme touchless car wash from south country co-op you're at home here water pressure Jesse and Lance are back with more Tigers Uncaged. Fast and fearless, baby. Here we go. Powered by South Country Co-op. Welcome back to the podcast, Tigers Uncaged. Powered by our good friends at South Country Co-op. Appreciate them. And, man, I appreciated the time that we had with our former captain, James Hamlin. He was a a phenomenal player to watch. He was a phenomenal kid outside of the arena when you got to talk to him. He was (laughs) a really nice, humble dude. And it's just great to see him sign a deal with his hometown team. By the way, he's from Edmonton. He had some of his best games against Edmonton when he was in Edmonton as a Tiger. Yeah, and one of the elements just of him as a person, and I really do think it's a personal trait that doesn't get talked about a lot, but from, from the time he entered the Western Hockey League, his level of being prepared, his preparedness, was always professional grade. Like, yes. uh, I'll never forget doing the 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 gingerbread house contest against him for, for a TV spot that we did. And he was studying the night before on how to build the perfect gingerbread house. He was watching YouTube videos. No joke. Like, this yeah. guy is prepared for absolutely everything he does. But it's that level of professionalism and, and preparedness that has kind of propelled him at every single level, right? Because... Because you're going to walk into a room and no one's going to have a better understanding of what's going on than James Hamlin. Well, I mean, Scott said it himself when he got a chance to talk to him. He's a guy that knows he's going to be on the third, fourth line. Yep. He's learning how to do penalty kill. He's learning how to do this other stuff. And it's even like, He says if he gets there, right? Yeah. Like, Jimmy's yeah, yeah. not taking it for granted. He's not there yet. Yeah. I could I could definitely see Hamlin being a second, third line guy eventually in time. Yeah. Right? Like, if I think he's got the potential to be like a Tyler Ennis, like he, like a guy like a Chris Russell, like a guy that will stick on the team, maybe not be your superstar, yeah. but a guy that you could rely on. Yeah, like he he profiles so similarly to the way with with not as many points. I don't think, but I mean, I, Jimmy's proven people wrong before, so yeah. he's probably just going to make me eat this right now. <laughs> probably not as many points, but a guy similar to what Patrice Bergeron can do. How yes, he he's solid in the faceoff. Thought he plays the two hundred foot game. He's responsible on his own end. Uh, he doesn't try to do too much offensively. Like that—that's exactly what what James does. Yeah. Like that's that's exactly the the type of player he is. 
I just I'm not ready to to say that Jimmy's going to go on and win a bunch of selkies and <laughs> and have a bunch of points in his career. I'm Be not nice though. I, I mean. Like I said, he's proving people wrong. He'll yep. he'll do it again, I'm sure. But uh, Tigers got a big weekend coming up. Of course, the home and home against the Red Deer Rebels. Uh, last time we faced the Rebels, it was a rough 11-1 loss. Tigers just uh, nothing was working for the Tigers in that second period of that game. Are they going to carry that momentum? Are they going to carry that anger into Red Deer Friday night and back at home on Saturday? Yeah, y- you hope so because the top line for Red Deer is so dangerous. It's usually Jet Larson, Archdeep Baines, and Ben King. Uh, in the case of Baines and King, I mean, they're leading the league in points this season. They've been at the top all year long. Uh, but, you know, I was talking with one of the uh, coaches for, for Red Deer last time they were here, uh, their video coach, and we were kind of just going over what this team is and and I said the the mobility on your guys' blue line. Everyone can skate well, and they they move the puck out of their zone quickly. He's like, that's one of the reasons why we traded for Jackson Vandalese at the deadline. Not only is he huge, but they move the puck so well out of their own zone. So the Tigers are going to have to be uh, on point in in all three zones down the middle of the ice, like we were talking about against Edmonton, because the the oil or the Rebels rather like to expose teams and stretch the ice a little bit and then work their offense into the middle of the ice so we'll see how it goes be an interesting weekend we cannot wait if you can't make it to co-op place on saturday well both games scott and lance will have both games on chat 94.5 thanks for listening this has been tigers uncaged with jesse and lance powered by south country co-op thanks to all of our show contributors thank you for your help be looking for a new tigers uncaged podcast every week during hockey season oh,